Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hey, what's up, y'all? Alan Kenny, host of Blade and Homers and Podcast, part of Crimson and Cream Machine on the SB Nation network of podcasts. Uh, all the uh, normal stories of this time of year have been uh, put on the back burner due to the coronavirus, but uh, our good friend Adam McClintock, you know him as the CFP professor, uh, has uh, posted his uh, you know uh, spring preview. I think he uh, does one the spring and one the fall that he kind of updates right before the season starts for the 2020 season, uh, assuming we're going to have one, but I wanted to go go ahead bring him on to uh, talk about his projections for the uh, for the upcoming season. So let's go ahead and uh, welcome him on, Adam. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good, man. And, and don't say there's not going to be a 2020 season. That's not even. Let's not even think about that yet. <laughs> I know. I know, terrible, man. man. I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't. I can't do this for another six months. Yeah, <laughs> tell me about it, man. I know it's just uh, it's just one of those things where there's so much uncertainty around the whole thing right now. So, how are you uh, spending your uh, coronavirus? Are you uh, social distancing and whatnot? Man, I'm trying. I uh, I I'm trying. I, I kind of live outside of Tulsa a little, a little ways, so. You know, besides going to Walmart for supplies and stuff like that, we've been kind of laying low for, for for the week. But I think that's kind of the story for everybody right now, just trying to trying to find your niche in the new reality right now. So, yeah, it's definitely a new normal. So uh, I've actually been, uh, you know, was really happy then to see uh, your preview show up there. Uh, you know, uh, on your Patreon site, uh, going through it. You know, looking at it, uh, I guess maybe just uh, can you can, just take us through what what your system kind of consists of, how you go about uh, putting together these kinds of pre- previews and projections. Yeah, absolutely. What, what my what my system does is it takes uh, football down to its to its most basic elements, and I try to keep the the, the model as simple as I can. So it, it usually it, it uh, uses five basic elements, including roster talent. Um, coaching staff efficiency, um, uh, returning production, uh, a little bit of returning talent, and uh, a little bit of home field advantage in there as well. Um, so taking those five elements, I, I create an index number for each team. And then from an index number, I'm, I'm able to uh, project uh, point spreads, uh, records, uh, percent chances of, of, of teams achieving a certain record. For example, um, Oklahoma has a 21% chance of, of achieving 11 and one record. They're, they have a 75% chance of, 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 of getting a 12 and 0 record. Just things like that, that, that kind of, uh, give you a, a good grasp on what to expect for, for whatever team you root for in the fall. Interesting. So how, I mean, how stable do you consider a lot of your rankings? I mean, you know, for example, if a team has a first year head coach, how hard is that for you to kind of get a grasp on? It's, it's it's a little more difficult than, than normal, but typically if that coach has, has coached more than four years and I have more than four years of data on him, I can kind of track what he's going to do with with 
the amount of roster talent he has with the amount of roster talent he's facing. And also, um, it's just with the, uh, with the uh, amount of returning production that he has going into, going into any year. As long as I have four years of data on him, it, it usually tracks pretty well. Um, now, there is a, kind of a caveat there. Um, a coach going from G5 to, to, from a G5 school to a P5 school, typically there's a little bit of a, of a lull in his first couple of years just for that coach. Um, getting used to the, the the added competition and 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 the um, the improved coaching staffs he's he's going against and, and power five competition every week, but P five to P five and G five to G five typically is as long as I have four years of data on that coach it tracks pretty pretty linearly. Interesting. Okay. Um, well, uh, you know, actually, one thing before we get into talking about uh, specifics, you know, I actually used some of your data earlier this year to uh, put together kind of a. You know, I looked at all the different Power Five conferences, trying to kind of assess who and where the the good coaching is. And you know, based on what uh, what I found, you know, going using that article, it seems to me like the Big Twelve coaches stack up just about as well as anywhere in the country. Absolutely, absolutely. Big Twelve, you know, they, they took a hit when Matt Rule left. That mm-hmm. was he was one of the premier coaches in the league. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I think I have. The, the Big 12 uh, as a conference, now I break it down in, in, in divisions as well. So, of course, the Big 12 doesn't have divisions, so I treat the Big 12 as one big division. Um, if you look at all the divisions across of, across all the Power 5 conferences in college football, I think that I have the Big 12 as the third best um, coach division in, 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 all, in all of, uh, of those divisions. The best being the SEC West and the second being the Big Ten West. Um, but yeah, those those three there's there's some tremendous coaching staffs in in those in those uh, three divisions three or in in those three divisions and and it really shows on the field. I mean, um, the talent profile for twelve I, I think it's kind of been beaten to death. It isn't what it used to be, and there's a big talent gap between the Texas and the Oklahoma and, and the rest of the league. But the coaching staffs, you know, like Matt Rule at Baylor last year, he really made the difference, uh, taking maybe not so much as much talent on his roster and creating a, a pretty good, pretty good team with it. Right. You know, I mean, I think what I found looking through it was that, you know, essentially all the coaches in the Big Twelve uh, last season, you know, were in the A to kind of like uh, B range, maybe you know, which you just didn't see anywhere else. You know, I mean. Uh, you know, I think that the worst rated one might have been the lowest rated might have been Tom Herman. And, you know, I mean, he and he's like a B yeah. coach, I think, on your list. So, I mean, that's pretty, you know, you, you look across the league, that's pretty good. That's excellent. Yeah, that's excellent. I mean, you have Gary Patterson at TC, who's, who's you know, uh, a franchise in himself. I mean, he's, he's he's one of the best coaches in the country. Lincoln Riley, I have him. I think I, I, think I have him ranked as the third best head coach overall in the country this year. Um, yeah, yeah. If when you have that, those type of names at the top of your conference, and you have a Mike Gundy who's steady, and you have uh, Chris Kleiman who really kind of took the conference by storm last year, and Matt Wells who made the jump into P5 last year, you have those type of names in your conference, and, and your conference is healthy as far as the coaching staff is concerned. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's go ahead and talk about the Sooners. Um, you know, you mentioned uh, this is a very, very high ceiling and also a high floor team, right? I mean, looking at it, you know, I think, you know, 
your numbers have them ninety percent, ninety five percent, roughly to uh, at least go eleven and one, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I have the the Sooners. Uh, they have a uh, it's astounding. It's it's one of the highest percentages I've seen since since I've been doing this. Um, only eclipsed by Clemson this year. Um, they have a ninety nine point six percent chance of getting a ten plus win season. That's just stupid. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's, that, 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 that's that's there's there's a couple of factors that, that that go into that. It's you know Oklahoma has raised their talent profile from 11th or 12th three years ago to fifth this year. They have the fifth most talented roster in the country, which is tremendous. Okay, you pair that with with a coaching staff like Lincoln Riley and Alex Grinch and and just the staff they have at Norman in Norman, um, and then you give them the talent gap they have over the rest of the conference. Uh, then that, that's that's kind of the result is you expect to win ten plus you know wins every season despite you know losing a quarterback or or whatever. Which by the way, and and if you're a fan of the Sooners, you should never worry about quarterback play as long as Lincoln Riley is there. I mean that's, that's <laughs> not, that should not be one of your worries at all. So I, I expect good things from the Sooners this year. Right. Now, one of the things I, I found interesting is that, you know, Grinch last year, I think you had him more in the B-plus range. This year he's dropped to a C. It looks like whatever happened um, in 2019, based on your grades, uh, you know, Grinch took kind of a hit to his overall profile, huh? Absolutely. And, you know, that's something that um, I, I, have a, I have a chart for each coach that, that I also have tucked away. And, and and for 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 coaches like Alex Alex Grinch who took over a squad that that uh, really really struggled in 2018 to, to put it lightly, um, you look for improvement in that first year. And yeah, his numbers Alex Grinch's numbers are going to take a hit because what it shows is that he has a lot of talent compared to the other teams, and the, and and it has the talent to be dominant. But when his teams aren't dominant, then he takes a hit in his grade. Now that's not completely fair because you know he's installing a new system he's installing a new culture there um what you look for is improvement and alex grinch improved that defense i think it was like 7.3 percent in the efficiency last year so that was a, that's a pretty good bump in year one i think people saw that on the field for the most part except for the the, the, the playoff game that you know mm-hmm. the lsu team lit everybody up all year long so i i would expect a little bit larger jump from alex grinch this year and um it won't take much for that defense to to, to, to get in, in, in a range where it gives that offense that Riley puts on the field every year to really make some noise in the playoff. Right, but one of the things I think that you've found through your research is that you need certain combos, right, that, that of coaching, you know, with you know pairing the right kind of uh, coaching style on offense with the right kind of coaching style on defense. Is that is that fair? Absolutely. It's called, like I, call it, I actually call that pace pairing. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Perfect example this year is at you look for down south of Texas and Austin. They made a great hire in their and and their offensive coordinator hire with Mike Yurcich. Okay, that's a good hire, but they paired him with um, uh, Chris Ash, who they they hired, who is not used to defending pace offenses or being paired with with, with, with pace offenses. Chris Ash's defenses are are our best are most efficient when they're defending between uh, 62 and 68 plays per game. Mike Yurcich and the defensive, the, the defensive coordinators that have been paired with him through his career, they're defending between 73 
and 79 plays per game on average. They're going to force Chris Ash's defense as a philosophy paired together. They're going to force Chris Ash's defense in Austin to defend more plays than what he is accustomed to and what he is suited to. So watch that defense down in, in Austin this year. I expect them maybe to have a strong showing at the beginning of the year. But as the year goes on, <clears throat> those number of plays start to add up. It, uh, that defense in Austin is going to melt. And they're going to wish they had Todd Orlando back really quickly. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. So, do you find that 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 number of of plays defended is that more a function of going up against more um, high tempo teams, or is it being paired with an up tempo offense? Uh, is there do you, is there a relationship either either way there? It's a little of both, but more more so, um, it's 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 a function of who you're paired with because the the. Your, the, the offense on on, on, on on that defensive coordinator's team is one that 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 controls the pace. Um, look for a perfect example: Kansas State, okay, and in, in the Big Twelve, <clears throat> they they face high-profile, fast-paced offenses every week, right? Bill Snyder's teams for years would grind the clock out, yeah. grind you know drives out, keep the ball and keep you know ball control offenses, and his defenses, um, while they didn't have the best recruiting classes, they didn't have the best roster talent, they did well in the Big 12 because they forced the opposing offenses to only run 62, 63, 64, 65 plays per game when those offenses are accustomed to running you know, 70, you know, 70 to 80 plays per game. And that was all because of the type of offense that, that Bill Snyder had in Manhattan. He controlled the ball, he ate up clock, he kept the other offense off the field. He controlled the entire philosophy of his team through his offense. Um, so while there, is, while there is an element of both there, it's it's more directly um, um, tied to how that offensive coordinator on staff uh, decides to run his offense. All right, got it. So uh, back to the Sooners, we've talked about where they kind of stack up. I, I mean, I'm assuming, you know, uh, if they've got a 99% chance, you're saying, here of uh, at least 10 wins, they're probably the strongest team in the Big 12. How do they stack up nationally? Yeah, I have the Sooners ranked number four, not number four nationally. So um, that that would um, uh, imply another another playoff berth. Um, they're going to have to win convincingly all year long. I don't think this will be a year that the the, the play depending on what everybody else does, of course. But if there's another argument where where OU is eleven and one, and there's another team that's eleven and one and has an argument, it might be tougher this year for the Sooners to get in, to get in just because of of of, of the past. Um, you know, things that have happened, which, which, which is ridiculous and shouldn't be that way, but it's, it's a human element of this committee that we have in place. Um, but I don't expect that. I, I, you know, the Sooners have a bunch of returning production back. Um, they are missing C.D. Lamb, but they have a, a stable of young receivers that are about to be unleashed. Um, they have a quarterback with 
that has been groomed by Riley since he since he, since he recruited a kid uh, and Spencer Rattler, I believe, will start. Um, I, I really think that uh, people who are expecting this offense to take a step back are going to be uh, sorely disappointed, and Sooner fans are going to be, you know, gleefully watching the scoreboard light up again this fall. So, um, and like I said earlier, I think I expect Alex Grinch's defense to take another step forward, and and that will be a, a big key in in and widening the gap further between the Sooners and the rest of the conference. Right. Now, how do they compare, though? I mean, who who do you have as the closest teams to them in the Big 12? I, I mean, I kind of feel like Texas, I, I know you mentioned you, you think their defense might kind of wear down at the end of the season, but, uh, you know, to me, they still kind of look like the second-best team, maybe Oklahoma State also. Yeah, I, that, you, you're right on there. I have Texas, Texas finishing second in the – in, in the league, and that's basically just around, you know, their their roster talent advantage over or over everybody else. I mean, um, Oklahoma and 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 Texas. Oklahoma's got the fifth rated roster talent in 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 the conference. Texas is 11th, and then the next closest is TCU at 26th. And then then, then there's another big gap, and the next closest is Oklahoma State at 38th. So there is a massive gap in talent between. Um, the, the the roster you see in in Austin and 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 in Norman and and every, everybody else in the conference, but I, I agree with you. I have uh, Oklahoma, Texas, Oklahoma State, one, two, three, and the the Oklahoma State Texas game will at at, in, at the end of the year will determine who plays Oklahoma again in that Big Twelve title game. Um, I have Texas winning that game slightly, um, but. Uh, it remains to be seen. I think I, I, overall I have Texas ranked in the 20s, I think. Um, so they're, they're a threat, but they're not a major threat to Oklahoma. There's a, a pretty big gulf between Oklahoma and the rest of the league this year. Right. So do you see Texas being Oklahoma's toughest game this season? Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Got it. But you know, looking here uh, now, I'm I'm on, I'm on the Oklahoma page in your preview here. You know, you don't have a point spread larger than like ten points for the entire season. I think for OU, right? Or pardon me, smaller Absolutely. than ten points. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Texas is the closest game, and I think I have it at close to ten and a half. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Is that there's there's just there's there's a, there's a large gulf between Oklahoma and the rest of the league this year, uh, more than more than normal. Um, uh, it's it's like I said. There, if, if if Oklahoma is upset by somebody in the league this year, it'll truly be an upset that nobody sees coming. Kind of like the Kansas State game this past year. Right. So uh, I got to imagine, though, looking uh, at the rest of the uh, country, that maybe the only gap where that might be bigger is Clemson versus the ACC. Right. I mean, that's uh, got to be a pretty huge gulf there. Oh yeah, absolutely. Clemson has has the largest gap, and they have the the best chance of. Of, of going undefeated, and I think they're they're it's like a ninety nine point eight percent chance of them winning ten plus games. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's unreal. I mean, and and you know where the Big Twelve may not have the roster talents to compete with what Oklahoma has. They do have the, the coaching staff, coaching staffs to kind of compete. The ACC doesn't have that. They're not as well coached as the Big Twelve is. So not only do they have some you know some roster talents, but they don't compete right now with Clemson immediately. Their, uh, their their coaching staffs in the ACC aren't on that level either. Um, it'll be interesting to see what Florida State does this year with that new staff. I really like their hires there, and they potentially could uh, be a thorn in Clemson's side in the next few years. But right now, it's, it's still Clemson miles above everybody else in the ACC. 
Yeah, you know, it was funny. I remember probably five, six, seven years ago, I mean, there was this kind of thing going around like, oh, the ACC's on the rise. And I remember thinking, well, Clemson is. I don't know about the rest of that conference because uh, yeah. looking through there, man, it just, I, I, you don't see the teams with the same kind of resources. And, you know, I, I think that they, you know, made a few splashy coaching hires, but a lot of them just haven't panned out. Oh, no, not at all. And, then, you know, I think, you know, I was not a, f- a fan of the, Manny Diaz hired down in Miami last year. I think that came to fruition. That was a, a might have been a mistake. Um, so that's that's where the programs you expect to be good in the ACC. Um, the Justin Fuente hire um, was was an average hire. I think I had it graded as a B hire when it would happen, a C plus B hire. That's kind of been relatively average there at Virginia Tech. Those are the schools that you that that the ACC depends on uh, to to carry, kind of carry that banner. But man, right now Clemson—they're—they're they're an SEC type school in the ACC, and they're just mm-hmm. running rough shop over, over everybody. I don't see that stopping as long as as long as Dabo Swing is there. Yeah, yeah. One guy, one one coaching staff I really like in uh, the ACC is Louisville, but you know, uh, the mm-hmm. rest of them, I'm kind of eh, you know, I mean, most of them uh, out there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, Scott Satterfield, I, I'm with you 150. percent But that was was a tremendous hire by Louisville. We actually. You know, we 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 um, do some coaching searches throughout the country and and uh, aid ads and, and and boosters and and helping coaches for their for their uh, helping find coaches for their programs. And we put Scott Satterfield in front of numerous programs before he went to Louisville, and nobody wanted to hire the guy until finally Louisville did. And I was excited to see what he did in that first season at Louisville. He I think he's got that that team on on the uh, on the up and up, but. They're not really a school you expect to be able to maintain resources to, yeah. to, to compete with a Florida State or Clemson if those teams are on, you know, hit on all cylinders. So uh, we'll, we'll we'll see. It'll be interesting to see in that ACC Atlantic over the next few years. Right, right. Now, one other uh, big hire that was made this offseason that I think a lot of people are going to be watching is Mike Leach at Mississippi State. Uh, any thoughts there about uh, how uh, the Pirate transfers over to uh, what they're doing down there in Starkville? Oh, I loved it. I loved that oh, hire. Yeah. That was uh, that was actually one of the hires that uh, that my buddy Dave Bartu and I uh, we we were we aided in that in that coaching search, and that was one of the one of the uh, one of the wins we got. We we got, we got Mike Leach in front of Mississippi State, and and it happened, and we we were we were super excited for that. Um, I think that uh, you know Mike Leach has won wherever he's been, wherever he's went. Big Twelve fans know that they saw him win in Lubbock when when Lubbock you know. Was 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 a uh, a decent place to, to 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 coach, but he turned it in, into a, a, a threat to reckon with every year there. And then he went to Pullman and did the same thing with roster talent in the fifties. He's got a roster talent. Uh, it's a top twenty-five roster talent there in Mississippi State. I'm just saying, what he does with those, with those type of athletes. You know, it, he might be in a bunch of shootouts because I'm not really for sure what kind of defensive coordinator they end up firing there. But uh, he's going to make those games interesting, and he's going to be a thorn in the side of some of those uh, more traditional uh, coaches in the SEC. Right, right. I, I, I'm, I, at least it's going to be interesting to watch, you know, So at the very least. Um, so any teams out there that you think might kind of jump up and surprise people or that you're kind of keeping an eye on or, or stories that you're, you're especially paying attention to? Yeah, there, there, there's always a, a, few, a few of those um, – Every year, one of those is, is Penn State. I really like Penn State this year. Mm-hmm. I was one of the one of the guys that loved Penn State last year. Had them ranked in the top five, 
and then they, they came out and, 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 and were impressive last year. Um, I expect them to do the same thing this year. Um, they'll, they'll be a 10-plus win team, and they'll, they'll challenge Ohio State for, for, the, for the Big Ten East. Um, I think Florida is on the up and up with, with, with Dan Mullen. Um, I don't expect them to, uh, to, to surpass Georgia this year, but they're, they're closing that gap. And that Florida-Georgia game is going to be really fun to watch for the, for the next you know, five or six years for sure. Um, watch, uh, like I said earlier, Florida State. I think that staff will turn things around pretty quick in, in Tallahassee. And also USC. Um, they, they, they hired Tyler Lando, who was let go at, at Texas, you know, really you know, surprisingly and I think foolishly. Um, but USC hired him and may have benefited for, benefit from it. And I expect to see the Trojans in the top 15 this year right out of the year. Yeah, USC is definitely a situation. I know that a lot of people are kind of selling on uh, Clay Helton, obviously, but uh, it's a it's the kind of school where they can turn things around and get it going pretty quickly. And it does seem like they've hired pretty well between Graham Harrell and uh, Todd Orlando there to fill out that staff. So it's definitely excuse me, definitely one to watch there. Um, what do you think is going to happen at Texas A and M? What's your take on Jimbo Fisher and what they're doing down there? He's just in a tough situation because you know that, that that's a uh, that's a tough division. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, every year in and year out, that's just that's just brutal. I actually have have uh, the Aggies ranked 11th, so they have a good team this year. But it's just that 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 schedule. I think they had a top five schedule again, and it's tough to get a lot done with, with right. that. Yeah. And, and I think my projection kind of shows that. I think it has them actually doing pretty well in the NTC West this year, but they have. Uh, a, a litany of, of toss-up games that just could go either way. So it kind of depends on which way the ball bounces in, in, in a lot of those type of games. And and uh, uh, while I expect the Aggies to, 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 to do well, you just never can tell when, when, when the margins are that close in, in, in that division. Right. I mean, you know, it it just it's such a weird deal because nine and three or something like that is a pretty good year for them. I mean, in, in terms of just what they're going up against, you know, I mean, it's a tall cotton, I guess, is what they say. Right. So well, exactly. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, Adam, you know, uh, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but uh, why don't you let everybody know where they can find your work, uh, the stuff that you're uh, you're producing? Yeah, absolutely. They can um, get on my Patreon account. It's just uh, www.patreon.com backslash CFB underscore professor. Or you can find me on Twitter at, at CFB underscore professor. And uh, I usually link a lot of my articles on there as well. Yeah, Adam, it's a great resource. Uh, I really do recommend it for uh, for fans everywhere to check it out, uh, especially if you're into the analytical side of things. Uh, you know, Ad- Adam uh, does great work, and of course, he's you know good friends with Dave Bartu, who we've been uh, having on the show for a long time. So, Adam, uh, thanks a lot, man. Really appreciate you coming on, and uh, make sure to take care of yourself. All right. You too, bud. All right, thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks again to Adam McClintock. Uh, He's the CFB professor. His Patreon account is patreon.com backslash CFB underscore professor. Same for uh, Twitter, CFB underscore professor. Make sure to check out his work there. Thanks to him for joining us, and thanks to you all for joining us, too. For the Blaine Overson Podcast, I'm Alan Kenny. Take it easy.